Thank you for being here this morning. I got a word here um, that um, I thought I would preach uh, last week, but the Lord dropped the final message of the Awakening series in my heart, and um, I hope you were able to listen to it, to be encouraged by it. Obedience is the key, right? Obedience is the key. It opens up the door to everything, and so um, this morning, I have a message entitled, One Out of Ten. One out of ten. Um, If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke 17, Luke 17, verse 11, Um, but it is uh, a different translation that I'm going to read today, but you could follow along in your Bible, or there's going to be a huge jumbo Bible up behind me on the screen. He's doing signs and wonders, he's doing some incredible things, and um, he comes to a point where he's making his way towards Jerusalem. He's, He's on mission, right? He's moving. He's on mission. And I, I love Jesus. He, he was constantly on mission. First and foremost, before you air anything else today, especially men in the room, let's be men that are on mission. Uh, ladies, be on mission. Be on mission in everything you do and everything you put your, your, your hands to or, or your mind to. May it be that it's on mission to what Jesus has called. Maybe you're sitting there going, I don't know what my mission is. Well, first and foremost, if you love Jesus and you believe in him and you've, you've allowed him to come into your heart, your mission is simply this, to go and to seek and save the lost and to love your neighbor as yourself, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor, right? That's a mission for you. So begin there and watch as God's spirit unfolds the plans and the purposes for your life. Amen? So I'm going to read this here if it's up on the screen, starting off in verse 11. As Jesus continued on towards Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance. Everyone say, stood at a distance. Ten men stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, Have mercy on us. Can you hear that? Ten men from a distance screaming that as Jesus is making his way. He's walking. And Jesus stops. And it says he looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. These men were sick. Lepers of that time were were considered to be the, the worst of the worst, the least of people. They were not allowed in a town. They weren't allowed to come back to their families. If you got leprosy, you were an outcast. You weren't even close to being able to come back in. And ten of them are outside of the walls of the city and they're saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. And Jesus says, Go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Right then and there, that amazes me, right? They were cleansed immediately. Jesus said, go, and they were cleansed. Powerful. Jesus is amazing. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. It doesn't say he quietly said, praise God. Right? Can we be a church that praises God loud? It doesn't just say he was like timidly like, thank you, Jesus. Or one of these, thank you, Jesus. I love you so much, Peter. If that's you, you're, it's awesome. You're welcome here. We love you. Just keep growing in your faith. We believe in you. Sometimes I say things and I feel like people are like, oh, that's me. Oh, my gosh, he's talking about me. But, man, he was healed. And he couldn't help but just 
Shout. Praise God. Praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. That is crucial. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked. I, <laughs> I see Jesus kind of like doing one of these things. Hey, um, did, he says, didn't I heal ten men? Did, didn't I heal ten? Didn't, didn't I? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to this man, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has healed you. Where's the other guys? I healed ten. There's not. Oh, Jesus is just prideful. <laughs> he just wants all the glory. He deserves all the glory. <laughs> so when someone's deserving of the glory, he's okay to be hey. But better yet, I think at the end of this story, at the end of this message, we're going to see why Jesus reacts. I read this, I'm like, yo, Jesus, like, that's pretty hard. Yo, where's the rest of them? But the one, the one out of the ten came back. And this morning, we want to discover this. Amen? Press in, lean in this morning. Jesus, these are your words. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just breathe on each and every person this morning, the, the words of heaven, that you would open up ears to hear, that you would open up hearts to receive, that you would change people from the inside out, that we would truly be different than the way we walked in here as we go, God, that we would be salt and light to this earth, that, God, we would, we would look to you knowing that you are where our help comes from, oh, God. We love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 One out of ten. Yeah, most of us have heard that before. Uh, you know, there's many statistics out there, right? I, there's a 1 in 10 chance you're going to do this, right? There's a 1 in 10 chance you're going to be this person. There's a 1 in 10 chance of something happening, right? We've heard this before. I remember a time I was uh, in my freshman year of college, and uh, I was home for the summer break. And so I was training, and I was working out, and, and I was feeling really good about myself and the skills that I had developed over my first year of playing soccer. Uh, and so I was in the backyard, right, with my sister. Uh, I've told you some stories about my sister. She's crazy. She's wild. She's a little Italian girl, spitfire, like just woo. I'm like, yo, chill sometimes. Uh, but she is awesome. And so we were playing soccer, and uh, I was passing the ball back and forth. She was playing in high school at that time. And, and we set up a little goal in the backyard, a little net. And I was like, hey, Alexis, I'm going to show you some, some tricks. Like I'm going to be the big brother and show off here a little bit. And so we were doing that, and that worked out well. And mind you now, we have a, we had a, my parents had a little pool in the back. And um, I said, hey, Alexis, I'm going to get kind of like this. I'm going to get behind the pool, and I'm going to bend the ball. Some of you are watching the World Cup. You see these guys do this. It's amazing. Just mind you that. I'm going to bend the ball around, and I'm going to put it in the net. She's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're not going to do it. I said, here's the deal. There's a one out of ten chance that I'm going to make one of these. <laughs> Right? I, I, got, I got it in me. I'm, I'm going to do this. So, so I back up, right? And I can't see. I can't see the net. And I can't see what's going on over there, right? But I'm confident in myself. I'm confident that this is going to happen. I, I don't need ten chances. I just need one, right? That, you guys have all been. Don't, don't judge me. Like, he's cocky. He just, no, you all act that way. Like, oh, I can do this, especially us men. We, I don't need instructions. I'll figure it out. So I'm back there, right? I'm like, Alexis, you ready? Watch this. Get ready. Get ready. And I go and I kick the ball, right? And that ball's cruising. And I jump out from behind the pool. And we have some friends over. <laughs> and we have a friend that has a little girl. She's kind of like a little sister to me. She's like two years old, right? And she just, just all of a sudden, overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord, just starts taking off, right? And she runs right past 
So mind you, ball is kicked. Children is in flight. Ball meets children in flight. This girl does a somersault twice behind. Now I'm going, oh my gosh, I just killed this girl. She literally flipped twice. My parents, her parents, running after. Oh, she gets up, she's like, oh, I'm good. How many of you know that I was sick to my I thought I killed her. I thought it was it. One in ten chance, one in ten chance I'm going to kill a kid with a soccer ball. She was all right. Everybody was okay. Praise God. I was like weeping. I was crying. I was in the fetal position. Like, please, just make sure there's nothing wrong with her. How many of you know this, though? Even if I had ten chances, I couldn't have done that again. <laughs> I'm not that good. I'm not that accurate. I could not have hit her square in the head and flipped her like that. It just wouldn't have happened. I was so confident. I was so sure. I was so like, yes, I can do this. I read this story, and it hits me to the core. It hits my heart, and it, and it speaks volumes of where we're at today, where, where we're at as, a, as believers today, that, that, that we're confident. And I'm not talking about the confidence in Christ, but we're confident in us, in ourselves. And we, we are so confident that, that, you know what, I can do this. I can make this happen. I can be the one out of ten that, 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 that they talk about, right? There's statistics everywhere today about people, businesses, organizations being one out of ten, right? There's, there's people that have overcome disease. It's all good things, right? There's a lot of cool things when people overcome. There's special stories, right, out there today, right? Where you're like, wow, that's really cool. They had a one in ten chance and they made it, right? Or, or man, that business is at the top. They're one out of the ten major corporations in the country and they're doing great stuff. It's awesome. It's okay, right? But I think what has happened is... It's consumed us. That what we're doing is we're striving to be number one. No? <laughs> okay. JP is striving, man. Let me just talk to myself here. To be the top. To be the best. To be the one out of ten. To, to, to show the world. Right? Churches. Man. I'm burdened for churches more than ever. Churches are competing. Can I just say this? Competition and favoritism in the kingdom of God is sick. It's ugly. It's not biblical. And now more than ever, churches are like, oh, we're, we're the top one out of ten churches. Look at everybody we have. Look at all these cool things. It's not bad, right? I want them to reach people. I want them to save souls. I want the kingdom of God to move forward. But why are we competing? Why aren't we like, yo? <laughs> There's lives at stake. There's hearts at stakes. The competition, the, the things of that just have to go. And we need to start saying, no, I want to be one. One. Let's be one. Hello? Let's just be one together. Let's see this city change. Let's see this world change. Let's see this nation change. But this thing of competition, this thing of thinking we can do it, this thing of I'm good, I'll handle it, has crept into us. And I believe today more than ever, I really believe this, I want to be the no, uh, today, I want, today I want to be known to be the one out of ten that constantly comes back to Jesus. That comes back to Jesus day in and day out, and we sit at the feet of Jesus. I want this for you. I want this for us. 
I want this to be a place where it isn't about who's who and what's, who's doing what and what you've accomplished. We'll celebrate accomplishments. We'll celebrate things. We should do that as a church. But guess what? When you walk through these doors, when you walk through these, the, the, the doors of downstairs, at the feet of Jesus, we're all equal. We're equal. And you could come in here and we can say, you know what? I'm here with my friends. I'm here with my family. I'm here with the people of God. And today we just want to sit at the feet of Jesus and worship. When you're at your own house, when you're alone, why don't we just be the one out of ten that isn't concerned about the schedules of everybody else, what our neighbors are doing, what food truck festivals happening, what's going on here or there. Why don't we get consumed first and foremost but being the one out of ten that's going to run after Jesus and sit at his feet? This is, this is major. This is where we're, we're, we're being called to. Today, I want to focus on this. I want us to be a church. I want you to be people. I want us to be people that doesn't just want the releasing ability of Jesus, but become people that desperately desire the relationship with Jesus. I want to say that again. I want to speak that over us because this is the story, and this is what we're going to talk about. To be the one out of ten that we don't want just the releasing of Jesus, meaning he's going to release you from whatever's going on in your life. But you want to be consumed about being the one out of ten that has a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is so consumed about being that one that the nine look at you and go, I want what you have and I'm going to start doing what you're doing because I desire that. Guys, this is a powerful passage of scripture. Jesus is on his way. He's moving. And there are ten men that are sick. They're kicked out. They're left out. The, the, the priests of that village, of that town, have said to him, you can't come in here. Religious people tell him, you can't come in. Family saying, sorry, we can't visit you. You're sick. We, we will get what you have. And ten of them cry out in a loud voice. They cry out. I want this for our church. I want to be people that cry out to Jesus, but not just getting a release from Jesus. They were crying out for a release. We want to be people that are crying out to Jesus constantly. Constantly. This is what the, the city needs. This is where we're going, right? Is this, is this making sense to y'all? That we're saying we're going to be the one, the one that wants to see my street change, that wants to see my coworkers next to me get saved, that wants to see the people that live next door to me get saved. I want to be the one that is just constantly praising Jesus, that's constantly running after Jesus, that's constantly going after Jesus, no matter what has been done, no matter what is going to come, I want to pursue Jesus. My wife's telling me to stop running. She's doing this the entire time. My ankle surgery, you know, all that stuff. She's like, stop jumping, stop. Today, let's be the one out of ten. But in order to be the one out of ten, we got to discover some things. Three things. Every week. Almost every week. Except last week there was five. <laughs> Three this week. If we're going to be the one out of ten, if we're going to change this city, if you're going to change your, your, your family trajectory, if you're going to be who Jesus has called to be, we got to discover these things. Amen? First thing is this. Come close to them. Come close to him. Put in paragraph, I put a little parenthesis. He isn't afraid of your stuff. He isn't afraid of your better yet garbage. He isn't afraid. Come close to him. See, Jesus is walking right, and these men yell from a distance. 
Because that's what they've been told. They were told that you can't go near anybody. You'll get sick. You'll get sick. But the king of kings, the healer, the restorer, he's there now. He's there. And these men, I believe, scripture even says, commentary people say, that they, they heard the buzz of Jesus. They had to have heard what Jesus was doing already. Right? So they knew because they didn't refer to him as, hey, yo, you're a really cool dude with a bunch of dudes. Right? So Jesus, master, they say they yell at him. I grew up in a very loud home. Some of you are like, oh, it all makes sense now. <laughs> Deep revelation from the spirit this morning. <laughs> My home was, <laughs> we, would, we would not have like conversations across the table, right? Or like there. My dad would be in his bedroom, right? I would be downstairs. Be like, son! <laughs> yeah, dad! How you doing today? We never just had like, hey, son, what's going on today? How are you doing today? What's happening? Good, Dad. I'm, everything's good, you know. It just was a loud home. It was just a loud home. <laughs> and I look back over the times, amount, the amount of times that we had yelling matches. It was more like yelling conversations, right? Instead of just being like, hey, Dad, why don't we stop yelling? <laughs> the neighbors think we're nuts and all deaf. <laughs> why don't we just come close to each other? <laughs> why don't we have some one-on-one -on -one conversations, right? This is the home I grew up in, and I just laugh because I wonder, man, what if we just stopped yelling? What if we just got close? Right? What if we just got close? Imagine the intimacy. You guys know what I'm talking about, those of you that are married. Men, get close to your wives and speak to them. Can I say that? Get close to them. Speak to them. I'm speaking to myself. Get close. Intimacy and conversation is a good thing. When you're close to somebody, you, you see their faces, you see their body language, you see what's going on. My home wasn't always like that. But I wonder how many more conversations we could have had, uh, maybe some, some deeper talks that we could have had, right? These men, they, they don't come close to Jesus. They yell, right? They shout, Jesus, Master, heal us. Help us. Release. You know what I think they're saying? Release us. Ultimately, fix me. Jesus, fix me. See, if we're going to be the one out of ten, we got to trust Jesus is big enough for us to stop shouting and start getting close. That we got to trust that, that Jesus is, is strong and mighty enough, he's grace-filled enough, and he, and he loves us so much that we don't have to just shout out prayers to him hoping that he hears us. I, I do it often. I'm walking, Jesus, just come on. Where are you at? What are you doing? But imagine if we just got close to Jesus. You know why we don't get close? You know why I believe these men? They were afraid. They were afraid of everything that was told to them. They were afraid of everything that has been spoken over them. We don't get close to Jesus today because we're afraid. We're afraid that he's doing this. Can I tell you what he's doing? And I've said it before. He's doing this. If that's not the picture of Jesus, I don't know what is. These men thought that, that he was going to do, hey, no, I don't, I don't deal with the lepers. I don't, you guys are outcasts. I don't deal with them. No, he, he walks to them. He shows up to them and says, okay, you're good. You're good. I, I don't want to be people, see, I don't want to be people that are just desperately, like, crying out, 
prayers that we don't really believe. We're, we're wishing things instead of getting close to the heart of God. See, when you get close to the heart of God, you actually know how the kingdom of God works. And when you get close to the God and you understand how the kingdom of God works, you start to pray and believe for the kingdom of God to come to work. You don't just start going, Jesus, if you're really there, help me. You start to go, no, Jesus, you are here. You're in front of me. You're behind me. You're next to me. And guess what? I'm so close to you. Woo! That it is going to just keep me close to you. I know the love of God. I want people... I do. I want people to know Jesus. But church people, we're not getting close enough to Jesus to show them the heart of Jesus. I'm not condemning any of us. I'm in the boat with you. I'm in the journey with you. If I got to get off the stage and come sit in a seat, I'll do that. We're in this together, right? Like, let's be people that just get close to Jesus so we can show people to Jesus, right? This isn't my job. This isn't just the pastor's job. This is our job. This is our heart's cry. This is our desire to be people that want to see people come to know the goodness of Jesus. But we got to get close. we got to get close. we got to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to just cry out and just hope. I'm going to get close to the heart of God, and I'm going to know that he's going to move on behalf. That he that began a good work in me is going to carry it to completion. That he has more in store for this city, more in store for my home, more in store. See, when you get close to God's heart, you don't just cry out in the bad then. You cry out in the bad and the good. See, these men were just crying out for a healing. They wanted to be healed, right? Rightfully so. They're sick. They want to go home. They want to see their families. They want to, they want to show themselves to be healed. But, man, I say it all the time. We need to make our praises a lot louder than our petitions. That was a really good place to say amen. There's a button that I want to create right here. Like, boom, I'm just going to say Amen. Right? I want our petitions to not be as loud as our praises. I want our praises that when we cry out, whether it's good or bad, we're desperately crying out and getting close to God and, and talking with him and drawing close. No matter what, we're, we're going to get close to the heart of God. I don't care if I'm going through the storm of ages or I'm on the mountaintop of praises. I'm going to praise God when I'm in the good and when I'm in the bad. Some of us today, more than ever before, need to start praising God in the good and the bad. It's just the truth. I can't praise God. You don't know what I'm going through. Really? Really? I don't know. I don't need to know. Because there's nothing new under the sun. So whatever you're walking through, somebody's already walked through it. And what you're going through, God's already released someone else of it. And guess what? If you just praise them a little bit, maybe you'll be released from it. Maybe you'll overcome it. Maybe you'll see the goodness of God. Ah, man. That second cup of coffee really like put me over. We got to come close. Don't identify as the lepers that just stood off from a distance. Jesus isn't scared of your stuff. He's not scared of your secret sin. He's not scared of the stuff that no one else knows about. He already knows it. And guess what? You got breath in your lungs, so he's still giving you a chance to come to him. He already knows it. The word says he already knows it. But the problem is, is we think he doesn't know it. And if we tell him, he's going to be like, I don't love you anymore. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And no matter what, no death, no life, no famine, no sickness is going to separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. So just get close to him. 
Just get close. In the good and the bad. Be the one out of ten that say, I don't care what's coming my way. I don't care what storm I'm walking through. I don't care what I got to overcome. The Lord that saved me, redeemed me, he is worthy of my praise. Today, hour after hour, minute after minute. Is it hard? I'd be crazy to say it's the easiest thing in the world. Guys, it's easy. Go in peace now. Right? It's hard. But we got to strengthen our spiritual muscles. And when you praise him in the bad, you're strengthening your spiritual muscles. When you praise him in the good, you're strengthening your spiritual muscles. we got to be a church that's so strong and courageous that we're going to praise him in the good and the bad. The second thing is this. And Peyton, can you come on up a little early? The second thing is this. we got to carry a heart of thanksgiving. To be the one out of ten, we got to carry a heart of thanksgiving. Given. Jesus is asked to heal them. They say, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus doesn't say something interesting here in this passage of Scripture. Almost every other time he heals someone, he says, hey, you're healed. Go to your faith. He just says to them, go. Right? All you theological deep people, just roll with me for a second. Okay, please. Right? Jesus says, go. Just go. Right? Go. If I'm looking at the Scripture, he says, go. Show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were healed. It's interesting to me that Jesus commands them to go. And as they go, that's when they, I imagine them all walking, right? I imagine Jesus said go, and as they're walking, they're watching just the, the leprosy heal. What an image, right? Could you imagine that? He didn't say that he would, they were healed right then and then. He said, he said go, now show. And as they were walking, because it says the one realized, whoa, I'm being healed right now. How cool is God? <laughs> Sometimes you just got to keep walking to let the healing and miracle come. That was, that was amen. Sometimes I... <laughs> Sorry. But they're walking, right? They're walking, and the healing is just taking place over their lives. The redeeming work is just happening in their lives. And it's powerful that Jesus commands them to go, but you know what's so sad? Nine out of them. I think I believe, I believe this in my heart. Nine of them. They were more concerned about going and showing than about coming back and praising. They were so concerned with showing the world. Guys, all you haters, look what Jesus did in my life. All you that told me I would never amount to something, look at me. Oh, look what Jesus has done in my life. Oh, man, oh, he's so good. Look, you all told me I would never be allowed back into this place. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. It wasn't humility. It wasn't praise. It wasn't thanksgiving. They weren't carrying a heart of thanksgiving. They were just carrying a heart to release me, Jesus. Just release me, Jesus, and I'm going to go on with my life. Because if you give me the release here in this point of my life, I'll be good. We'll be good. I'll give you like Jesus is my homeboy at times, and we'll be good. But I'm just going to show the world I'm good. Everybody that told me I'm bad, I'm good now. I'm good. This is how people operate. We want the release of Jesus so that we can just show everybody. See, see, look at how good I am now. I told you. That's not a heart of thanksgiving. At all. You know what amazes me? Then there was one. One. The one 
And guys, he's a Samaritan, so just let me fill you in here. Out of those, many people believe out of the 9 out of 10 were Jewish people. They were the ones that knew the law. They were the ones that knew that Jesus was going to come. They knew it all. They had all the education, all the training, all that stuff. That's what people believe. But there was one that he says was a Samaritan who was really, really, on top of being a leopard, was like really, really a half-breed castaway. Like he was just, get out of here. Samaritans were just trash. Right? So the least, the lowest person that didn't know it all, that didn't have it all. You know, some of the times, that I, most of the times, let me say this. The people that get saved for much praise with much. Church people, church kids, I'm one of them. Motions. Motions. I don't want any, any of you to, younger kids to walk through stuff that I've walked through. But what happens is we become stale. Our butts become stale on the seats. Our praises to God become stale. Right? But the one, the one that didn't praise God, that didn't know who God was, that didn't have the education, didn't have the training, that was saved from a lot. He's the one. He's the one that I believe he was walking. He was like, oh, snap. Woo. Oh, snap. I got to get back to him. You guys go on without me. Do your thing. Show the world how cool you are. Show the world that you're, you're awesome. But I'm going to go back to the one that healed me. I'm going to go back to this guy and sit at his feet. He sh- it says this. It says he doesn't go back and high-five Jesus like, woo. It says he falls to his knees, and he kisses the feet of Jesus. At that time, the feet of people were nasty. I had a cast for five weeks. My feet were nasty. Ain't nobody coming to sit, and sit at those feet. They're like, go get yourself taken care of, and maybe. I'm like, Rach, can you rub my ankles? She's like, I ain't touching those feet. But, babe, it hurts. I had surgery. I ain't touching those feet. This man runs back with a heart of thanksgiving, and he sits at the feet of Jesus. They didn't have shoes. They wore sandals, dirt, covered, just disgusting. And I just picture this man just sitting at the feet of Jesus, weeping, carrying a heart of thanksgiving. It's just overwhelmed that Jesus did so much for him, that he saved him, that he redeemed him, that he delivered him, that he didn't need to go tell the world. When miracles happened, it was always for God's glory. It wasn't for man to be elevated. I believe those men ran back to get elevated, to get shown, like, hey, look at these guys. Look how cool they are. No. It was for God's glory, and the one figured it out. The one. I want us to be people that are like, man, I want to just get back and sit at the feet of Jesus. Even if the nine aren't doing it with me, I'm still going to show up to the house of God and praise. Even if the nine aren't coming with me, I'm still going to show up to Wednesday night prayer to intercede on behalf of my church. Even if the nine don't come with me, I'm going to show up to love Pilsen and love Chicago if the rest of them don't come. Even if the nine don't come and don't don't text me anymore, don't call me anymore, don't reach out to me on Instagram and social media, I'm still going to run after Jesus because he has saved me from so much. He has released my life from so much. So he is worthy of my praise and adoration at his feet we got to be people like this. Is this stirring your faith? You're going to have a chance to respond today. But I just think that, man, if we can just, it's not us. We're not that good. We're not that cool. I just got to get to the feet of Jesus. Jesus, you'll release me when you want to release me from this situation. Jesus, you'll heal me when you want to. Yeah, even if you don't, right? We learned it last week, those boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had faith that was even if. Even if you don't. Even if you don't, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, I'm still going to praise him. I'm still going to give him glory. I'm still going to walk through the fire. I'm still going to keep going. Step after step after step. 
Carry a heart of thanksgiving. Carry a heart. And the last thing is this, and the band can come on up. What are the consequences of true thanksgiving? Consequences of true thanksgiving. Consequences is like normally looked at as a harsh word, right? How many of you love consequences of things? If you put your hands up, you're all lying. Right? Nobody loves consequences, right? But the consequence of this man was awesome. What he got in return for coming back to praise God, to sit at his feet, to be released. See, this man was healed physically, right? Right, you with me? It says that the leopards just fell off him. He was healed physically. He got his release from that, right? Some of you have been released from things, but you haven't done what this man did. He gets back, and he kneels down. And the consequence of his thanksgiving and praise, brand new heart. A brand new heart. A brand new start. A brand new beginning. It wasn't Jesus is like, now go and live however you want. He said, no, now your faith has made you well. Jesus spoke salvation into this man. Whew. See, we want the healing, Jesus. But we don't want the king of our heart, Jesus. We want the deliver us, Jesus, but we don't want the Lord of our life, Jesus. See, Jesus, deliver me from this so I can show people that I'm good, but don't reside as the Lord. I'm not going to listen when the Holy Spirit tells me something, right? Because I'll figure it out. I'll, I'm good. You, you delivered me. I'm good with the deliverance, but I don't want the Lordship over my life. No, this man is living in eternity, I believe, because he allowed the kingdom of God to invade his heart, and he is now saved and transformed, and his life was dead and gone. Even though he was healed, he was still lost, and he was found now. He was found. That's awesome. That his heart of thanksgiving brought him to a place of salvation, and I believe that that man got up. That man got up, and he didn't even go, need to go tell the world that he was healed. What he needed to go do now, what I believe he did, is he got up, and he was like, oh, i got to go tell the world that somebody just changed my life from the inside out. From the inside out. Not that he healed me. That's awesome. Tell people when you get healed. That's fine. But you should first and foremost say, Jesus has saved me. Make sense? He has saved me from myself. He has saved me from destruction. He has saved me from this world. I am not my own, but he is mine. I, I, I have no. I know that I know that I know that Jesus lives in me. And if he doesn't do another, guys, i got to get this to us. If he doesn't do another thing, he's done enough. If he doesn't do another thing for us, he has done enough. 2,000 years ago on a cross called Calvary, he gave his life, he gave, his, he gave it as a ransom for us. He broke out his body of blood, he broke his body, he was bruised, he did everything. He put a crown of thorns upon our head for you and for me and for his children. He doesn't need to do anything else. You know what that should cause us to do? This is how I'm closing. It's my first close. People are like, you have multiple closes. I do should cause us to shout. It should cause us to shout. I've watched a lot of people in my own life, very close, that have said, you know what, Jesus, I'm going to be sold out for you. I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to give you my life. I'm going to give you my heart. And they do that. And I really believe that they, they, they in that moment really said it. And, man, I'm just going to, man. And they plead with Jesus to, to come through for them. They plead for Jesus to give them what they're asking. They plead for them. And then Jesus does it. 
And they're like, okay, we're good now. Thank you, Jesus. See, I think Jesus says something powerful at the end there. He goes, where's the other nine? Oh, he's just a prideful Jesus. He just wants to, no, you know what he was? He was a heartbroken Jesus. He was heartbroken. He's like, where's the other nine? I gave each and every one of you the same healing. Where's the other nine? He was heartbroken because he's like, I can heal you physically, but I want to heal you emotionally, spiritually. I want to give you a brand new start. But the nine, they just ran off. We don't ever hear about them again. We don't get an extra couple lines in the Bible about them. We get a couple extra lines about the one. Will we today be people of faith that are one out of the ten, that heaven knows us by name? That the kingdom of God is moving and advancing forward because we're a part of it. That we're praising God. We're celebrating God. We're rejoicing with God. We're giving God honor and praise and glory. Will you today be the one out of the ten? Or will you choose to say, God, I got my deliverance. I got my release. I'm good. I'll see you next time. I'll, I'll see you next time I need something for you. Today I want to pray that over us. And I want us to respond in faith that we're going to have a heart that says, I want to be with you, Jesus, always. I don't need anything else from you, Jesus. I don't need anything else from you, Jesus. You've done enough. You died on a cross for me. You saved my life from the pit of hell, and I'm good with you now, Jesus. That's all I need. I'll walk with you. I'll talk with you. I'll serve you all the days of my life. Amen? Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?